This is John Beethan and your host of What Has My Attention and today's episode, Business Storytelling with Patty Block. And if you're a regular listener here, you know about once a month, I present a themed conversation with the women in strong leadership, Lisa Pachance, Audrey Holst, and Patty Block. Those insightful and valuable conversations can be found on this channel, What Has My Attention. Our last conversation together and published episode was in June 2022, and it was episode 49. It was titled, How to Pioneer in Business, featuring Audrey Holst, Lisa Pachance, and Patty Block. We have more episodes in the can to be released, which you can look forward to hearing soon. Now, before the four of us ever started our series, Patty and I first had a conversation, which you can hear in episode 36. The episode was titled, Beating the Broken Cookie Effect, Price for Value, and Stop Settling for Crumbs, where Patty shared her business story. The link to the episode is in the show notes. And Patty offered to help me with my business story, and we decided to record it as an episode here. I hope you find it as valuable for yourself as I have for myself. So let's first start with Patty telling her business story. I'm Patty Block. When I was growing up, my mom made these fabulous cookies. The whole house smelled good, it was warm, the cookies were gooey, kind of makes your mouth water. And all my life, I watched my mom eat the broken cookies. But it wasn't until I was a teenager that I even thought to ask her, why do you only eat the broken cookies? Do they taste better? And she laughed and said, no, I eat the broken cookies so you can have the whole ones. And not too long ago, I saw this really shocking statistic. 62% of women rely on their business for their primary income. And 88% of those businesses make less than $100,000 a year. And all of a sudden, this image of my mom eating the broken cookies popped in my head. And I realized that's what we, as women business owners, are doing in our businesses. We are taking what we learn from our role models, our moms and our grandmothers, and we're bringing that spirit of self-sacrifice into our businesses and creating an artificial glass ceiling. And my mission is to change that for women business owners who are experts in their field, who want to learn and operate differently so that they're pricing, selling, and running their business on their own terms. That's fabulous. So right off the top, let's let people know how they can get in touch with you, because I know that people are, and we'll, we'll repeat it at the end, but go ahead. Sure. So please reach out to me through my website, theblockgroup.net, theblockgroup.net. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Patty with a Y. And, um, and I love meeting new people. And when you reach out to me on LinkedIn in particular, also through my website, please mention this interview so that I can make that mental connection. Great, Patty. Thank you very much. So what are we doing today? We are talking about business storytelling. Mm. So I have spent quite a long time building business stories for my business and teaching my clients how to do that. And John, you expressed interest yes. in for yourself in terms of your business and what stories 
would resonate with your audience. And so I suggested that we could do a workshop today to really drill down and see what makes sense. And it would be really instructive for the people who are listening because everyone can benefit from developing these kind of anchor stories within their business. Very nice. And why do you call it an anchor story? So an anchor is a copywriting term. I certainly didn't create that. Mm -hmm. And it's been used for years and years, and you see examples of it everywhere, where there is some something that's very accessible, like a broken cookie, right? Everybody knows what a cookie is. They've eaten one or they've seen one. And it may look different to different people, but the idea of the cookie is universal. And we also have the technology link to cookies on your computer. So it's a very common term. It's very accessible. So what I help business owners do and what I'm going to help you do today is figure out what is the anchor that is meaningful to you and maybe you noticed a pattern in what you're doing. So in your case, it might be people who never start a podcast. They talk about it. They're excited about it. They're very passionate in what they're doing, but they never make that leap to actually start a podcast. So when, you know, you want to think about what resonates with your audience, you need to clearly define your audience, of course. And then you also that anchor piece, the idea from copywriting is that it's a kernel of an idea that hooks itself in someone's brain. So now when I see people in multiple Zoom meetings or now they say, oh, the cookie thing, right? Because it's memorable. And it is a launch pad for everything else I'm talking about. So I help women strategically scale their revenue bring in more revenue with less stress, but I'm also helping them with operations and with business development and sales. And again, my target market is very specific. It's women business owners who are experts in their fields, often technical experts like attorneys, accountants, engineers, and marketing and PR professionals. Very nice. So, so that's the concept of the anchor, and it's everywhere when you start to pay attention to it. And you will hear certainly people that you hear speaking will use it, and you also hear it in pop culture. Yeah. Well, I've had several attempts at doing this. And uh, one of the ones I often use in a face-to-face -face meeting when I'm at the Carlsbad Chamber of Commerce, I've used before in a room, I'd stand up and say, um, hi, I'm Steven Spielberg, because I do have kind of that look. Everybody kind of laughs, and then, but they never forget me. And often they'll email or come up to me afterwards and go, Stephen, you got a second? And I, of course, respond because I am Steven Spielberg of podcasting. So anyway. That's very clever. And using pop culture references mm -hmm. or someone who's famous mm -hmm. is very, um, for the right audience, it's very effective. Very and so memorable. Your, very memorable. If the audience knows who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Now, Steven Spielberg is an easy one, right? Yes. Everybody in the world knows who that is. Yes. But again, you need to speak to your audience. So it's not so much about you as it is the people listening to you. Right. So as you 
may or may not know, my original quote unquote elevator speech was that we're hired by people that keep putting off starting their podcast because it seems complicated and expensive. And what they really want is to get their brand and message out there in a bigger way. And I think a lot of people um, relate to that. You actually have that problem. It just, there's a lot of misinformation, of course. Um, but you and I before have taken it to a really a one-liner deeper level, um, which is basically because you have something of value to say. And then in a document I shared with you, um, there is another story, which I'm sure is much more powerful. And uh, is we'll probably get into that, right? Yes. Okay, the, the, the floor is yours. All right. Let's start with what is the message that you want to convey? Is, okay. it, is it you have something of value to say? Yes. And therefore, you should do a podcast? That's a part of it. Um, it's also about trust because I do part of the message is that podcasting over time does build long lasting trusted relationships because people get to know you. Okay. In the document you sent to me, you talked mm -hmm. about humane technology. Yes. Do I have that right? You do. Tell me about that. Okay. So podcaster, right? Since 2005, but, you know, found out about it in 2004. And uh, I've logged about 5,000 hours of listening to educational material. So it was in 2005, I literally unplugged my cable and started like listening to um, individuals, experts and people that um, just really, I knew knew they were experts and I, and I gathered a lot of information from them. So um, the whole idea is, um, is that as an example, social media and the algorithms and the technology is basically running wild right now. There is no way that we're actually designing this in such a way that actually benefits humanity in a conscious way. So I'm very concerned about it. Um, I know the stats. I know how people are getting hurt, specifically often younger women. And um, yeah, I just want to be involved in, in changing it. And part of the reason I love podcasting is because it is not, um, it doesn't have the disruption. Um, and there's no real general direct feedback unless you want it. So you are kind of encouraged to kind of slow down and listen and experience a conversation, experience, have an experience that does not have all the disruption and um, distractions and uh, things that uh, keep you from really having an immersive experience. Is that helpful? Yes, and can you build a case for, just in a few minutes, build a case for why humane technology through podcasting is beneficial for a business owner? I could strongly build a case if you actually want to uh, spruce up and develop your public speaking skills. Podcasting as an example is a really great way to do it, whether it's a private podcast or public, because it allows you to, and encourage you to sit down maybe every week and actually work with the skill sets you need to speak publicly because you are speaking publicly if it's a public podcast. 
you're just not in, on a stage necessarily, a physical stage. You're not having to drive anywhere. You're not trying to fly here, fly there, and deal with food. So it's a very efficient way to develop your speaking skills. And I require myself to slow down when I'm speaking because I can just go off. But in order to be a clear communicator, it requires me to just slow down. And then, of course, when I play back what I've recorded, it's really useful feedback. So when you and I first met, one of the things that intrigued me, and before I got to know you as a human, mm -hmm. I got to know you as someone who runs a podcasting company. Mm -hmm. And what really intrigued me was the concept of the private podcast. Mm. Everybody knows what a public podcast is. Yes. And for those that may not have taken the leap to start a podcast because it's time consuming and you have to market it and it can be very expensive. So the people who haven't taken the leap might be very attracted to the private podcasting. Can you tell us the difference? Yes. So a public podcast is submitted to places like Apple and all the 120 plus other places people listen to podcasts like Spotify, like Google, like Amazon. And it allow you can go to those any of those apps on your phone or on Google and do a search for the podcast that you're that somebody has and it will come right up and it allows you to easily follow used to be called subscribe so that when there's a new episode it gets pushed to your phone which allows you to listen to it at your convenience the real difference is it's public so a public podcast is searchable okay with a private podcast people are actually signed up through email and it ends up on their phone or whatever device or even on a web page and but it's private you can't search for it you have complete control over if they get to listen to it and like if you had a membership site and you're using private podcasts to stay in touch with people and people were like paying for something and somebody stopped paying, it's real easy to just remove them from that feed. And there are hundreds of different ways to use it. It's fabulous for course creation. It's fabulous for a company to onboard their employees. All right, and if for sake of argument, I do a private podcast mm -hmm. and then I want it to become public, mm -hmm. can I make that happen? Yes. Okay. So there are two pieces to what you've shared with me that I think we that would be very uh, effective inside mm -hmm. your business storytelling. Okay. One is humane technology, mm -hmm. and the other is private podcasting. Okay, awesome. Because I think part of the hesitation, and I know this has been true for me, I do not have a podcast. Part of the hesitation is the time commitment for me personally, but mm -hmm. also um, the consistency, because I know I need to commit to it for years. Uh, there are many people, in fact, my coach uh, did what's called a capsule podcast. 
So she did, I think it was 10 episodes. And she was crystal clear that she was going to do 10 episodes themed and that that was going to be it. For the masses, that's not, would you agree that's not the understanding? That's right? true. There, there are many, many strategies that you teach people that I'm sure are really effective, but yes. that is not what the general population understands about podcasts. Correct. Okay. And for the, yeah, and for the most part, they make it really complicated. Exactly. Well, not only that, but many people think the technology is overwhelming. And so then you are in a situation where you need somebody to help you with all of that, mm -hmm. which makes it more expensive and more time consuming. Mm -hmm. So we have to start with where is your audience and your audience, because I'm your audience. Yes. Right. I'm a business owner and I don't have a podcast. And that's for very specific reasons. I do a lot of podcast guesting. Yes. And I'm very happy and honored to do that. But I have to pick and choose my priorities and where I'm spending my time. Yes. So knowing that you have strategies, what you call the capsule podcast, where it could be a limiting limited run. Yes. I didn't know that. So that is great information. When you have brought your audience in, then you have the opportunity to educate them mm. and to share those strategies. But the question you and I were talking about is how do you reach a broader audience and how do you bring them in? And that is done very effectively through business storytelling. So when we think about the anchor, usually it's a personal story. So in my case, the story about my mom is my anchor. So what happens is when I'm doing a live speaking engagement and it's virtual, I can see the chat. And what happens is people start telling cookie stories, mom stories, and cookie mm -hmm. jar stories. There are a, an amazing number of people who collect cookie jars. And so I've heard incredible stories. So that is really fun and it's real time and I can see what their comments are in the chat and I can see what language they're using. So what I'm looking for today is something similar that has an emotional punch to it that brings together the important concepts that tell me as your audience that you are different than the 5 million other people out there who are offering podcast services. So I'm thinking what makes you different is humane technology and the idea of bringing in not only your personal stories, which we'll get to in just a moment, but the idea that podcasting doesn't have to be what you think it is and focus on the private podcasting. Because I think business owners will immediately see the benefits. It seems so much more doable. It's a lot simpler. Right. It, it doesn't have the technical specifications required by the public podcasting world. And I have, I know a lot of people who offer podcast services, and mm -hmm. I've never heard any of them talk about a private podcast. Mm -hmm. So would you agree that those two elements, private podcast and humane technology, could be good anchors for you? Yes. 
Um, there's also this story about my father. As as That's what I wanted to get to next. So would you share okay. that story with us? Yeah, I'm going to read it as I wrote it to you or wrote okay. it for us. So I'm holding a piece of paper up, unusual. My father started going deaf in his 40s. I witnessed his frustration from not being a part of the conversations we had at the dinner table. And certain family members were also frustrated from having to repeat themselves so many times. My father started pulling back, isolating himself more and more because he could not be heard. And his valuable contributions were completely missing from our daily lives because of it. It's a very powerful story. What is the answer to the question, so what? When we think, and I, I mean that in a very positive way. So because of that situation with your dad, how did that lead you to what you're doing today? Well, podcasting, when I saw what it was in 2004, I realized this was a vehicle that was unstoppable in terms of allowing people to be heard and engaged in a conversation with others. Okay. Okay. That's a very powerful story. It ties directly to what you do today. Mm -hmm. And it's accessible from the standpoint that everybody has parents. Some have grown up with parents who have had disabilities or health issues or Maybe now, as an older adult, their parent has a health issue. So that is very a very common experience for a lot of us. So, but, but it's so much more than that, right? So your dad had a medical problem, but there was an emotional impact to that, as well as how it affected everyone in your family, and probably everyone a little differently, right? So that story can be very powerful, and connects directly to what you're doing today. So, Patty, of course, you also know that I have a particular passion for elevating women's voices to be heard, which I think I've been doing about 14 years. And that's because I realized at some point that women's voices were not being heard, or I should say women were not being heard. So it's largely why this podcast even exists. And uh, featuring women in strong leadership Boy, it just doesn't get any better. And what prompted you to want to do that? I, I know you realized that women weren't being heard or seen in the way that you thought would make an impact. But was there something personal in your life that led you to that? Well, kind of getting back to the Center for Humane Technology. Mm-hmm. At some point, I realized that perception, wisdom, consciousness, and those things that generally interested me were coming from women, not men. I would end up at certain networking events, and there'd be a little pot of men, and I'd walk up, and they, honest God, often it would be like locker room talk, degrading women. And I just, I, I just, I think it's disrespectful and I just don't, I just didn't want to go there. So 
John, you know this. In a former life, I was a political consultant and a lobbyist. Yes. We didn't even have a term for the kind of sexual harassment that was happening. And there were so few women lobbyists. Wow. So it, it was, I know exactly what you're describing. So as a young woman who was a lobbyist and in a very male dominated industry, it was very difficult to be effective because the deals were made on the golf course and the strip clubs. And I wasn't going either place. I had young children at home. I was commuting wherever I was doing the lobbying. So, you know, for me, it made no sense. And I needed to find other ways to be effective with the elected officials and to have real conversations with them and not even deal with the guys that were making the deals in the strip clubs. It just wasn't an option. And I certainly wouldn't have been welcomed there anyway. So, you know, I understand what you're describing. And I also have that experience of the wisdom and intuition that comes from women is very valuable and needs to be heard more. So it's one of the reasons I value so much what you do. Oh, thank you. Um, where I wanted to go with your story is to talk about music. Okay. When I asked you what your top three passions are, you listed music first. Yep, sure did. Tell me a little bit about that and how music has impacted your life. And you can talk about genre, you can talk about anything that you think is important, but I'm wondering if music is your anchor. At the age of five, I will tell you that my mother told me the story, I don't remember it, but I used to sit in front of the television some afternoons watching Liberace play the piano and I would cry my eyes out. And she said, you weren't like mad. It, it was a joyful kind of cry. So at some point later on, I started taking piano lessons and then went to college at Portland State University and studied music and studied classical guitar and harpsichord and a bunch of other things. And, uh, and then discovered jazz, moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico and studied jazz piano and classical piano and blues piano with some really good teachers. And my whole life, music's always been there. I usually wake up in the morning with some song in my head. Sometimes it's original. But I, I stopped playing music many years ago, but music is always a part of me. And um, I pay attention to music that's around me, and I listen to all genres of music as long as it's good. And that's, you know, what makes it good. Well, because I have a musical education, um, I'm probably a little snobbish when it comes to it, but... But it's just, you know, I listen to everything. I listen to everything. If I want to feel a different way, I'll pick out some music that will help me feel a different way. Great. And why did you stop playing music? I actually stopped, I think, um, largely because I actually discovered podcasting. I was still studying music when I was, um, started podcasting. But it kind of wasn't really doing it for me in terms of playing. So then at that point, I started managing musicians, singer-songwriters. And in fact, the most notably, Chris Calloway, who was Cab Calloway's daughter. Cab Calloway was 
according to Herbie Hancock, who was a friend of Chris Calloway's, and I heard him say on the phone one day that he considered Cab Calloway to be the grandfather of hip-hop and rap. So we did some touring in the Southwest, and um, I took very good care of Chris, who was uh, living with cancer for like 21 years. And uh, anyway, it was just, you know, my service to support others is really what was coming around for me because of my seven years on Orcas Island studying metaphysics, world religion, and nutrition, where at, at 1985, at the age of, of uh, 32, walking away, realizing that I came into this life to do two things, which was to love and to serve. So it's music to me. Okay. Why is it that you don't produce podcasts about music or with musicians? I'm moving in that direction. Are you? Oh, yes. Okay. All right. So if we thought about music as your anchor, and the reason I say that is because it's helpful when you're developing your business storytelling mm -hmm. to think about what is central to who you are as a person. So for me, the broken cookie effect represents a lack of being empowered, right? It's always putting others first and not taking care of yourself. And that is something that I feel very strongly about. That's part of my core value. And mm -hmm. it's why I do what I do, which is to empower other women business owners. So that's why I'm wondering if music is your anchor. And if there's a story we can develop around that, that brings in those two pieces of private podcasting and humane technology. And I think humane technology as an overarching concept. Mm -hmm. And then the private podcasting to hone in on what you do, why you do it, and how you can help others. Mm -hmm. So that's where I was headed in terms of the business storytelling. So let me check in with you to see if that resonates with you, that idea. It does, for sure. Because as I think about it, all my relationships with my current clients, there's a musical, there's a musical element there. Oh, tell, all, me, tell me more about that. Sure. Uh, when I opened Imagine Podcasting in July of 2020, shortly after that, um, I had Elena Armijo come to me. She was a native New Mexican, and I was from New Mexico, lived most of my adult life there, and I think there was that connection. But Elena uh, works closely with Brene Brown, or has in the past, and done all her things. But she was an, a professional, uh, successful opera singer. Okay? And when I heard her off you know, in her website, when I heard, I went, oh, my God, the real deal. So we just really, really connected. And her partner, Aaron... Um, is an awesome musician and wrote the intro and outro music for Elena's podcast. And it took a while, but God, he absolutely nailed it. And my experience is that at the end of Elena's episodes, it trails off into this music that Aaron wrote. And it's just, I told the audio engineer, don't cut it off so soon. Just let it go because I just really enjoyed listening to it. So there was a musical component there. And uh, 
you know, I have a vocal coach, uh, Peggy LeBeau, and she's a great singer-songwriter, and she's a really important part of the team. And um, and how she works, and everybody that works with her, the clients go, oh my gosh, I had no idea that was in me. So there's a lot of that. I had no idea that was in me. So I think that's a lot of what we do, is we kind of help people um, sing their story in a sense. Oh, John, that is great. Yeah, thank you. Great. Write that down, please. Okay, I will. I'll take that, notes afterwards. That is really, really good. You help people sing their story. Awesome. 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 Okay, so I also have a musical background, which you probably didn't know about me. I did not know. And so my grandmother taught piano for 50 years. So it was not optional in my home growing up. Everyone learned to play piano. Mm-hmm. All my siblings and I, we all, and my mom also taught piano. So we all learned piano first, and then we all were required to pick an instrument and be involved in music in some way as we were growing up. So I chose flute and piccolo and became very accomplished. And I stopped playing when I went to college. And to some extent, I kind of regret that because I had gotten to a level of expertise and creativity and expression, and then I stopped playing because it's like I didn't have a purpose for playing. Yeah. And each person in my family was required to pick an instrument and play it at least through high school. So we all read music. And one of the things I'll, I'll bring out is people who read music and or think in terms of music even if they don't read music, that is a language. Yep. And the way we think is different than people who either don't read music or do not think musically, right? So I think visually. When I'm looking to the future and I'm thinking about a project or something that I'm working on, right now I'm working on a book, I see it. I actually visually see it in my head. My guess is you hear it because you are so musically inclined. I actually have a tendency to do both. Do both. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. So when I'm like, when good podcast work is being done, um, the imagery is extremely rich along with the music, whatever it is. Okay. But I, I think for a large part, you're exactly right, that there's always some, there's always um, a score in the background there somewhere. Right. So is that who you want to attract to work with? Ultimately, I would, uh, where I'm going with all this is to be able to score podcasts. Yes. Okay. So, so uh, and to help people sing their story and whatever they have to offer. Yes. Okay. Um, so this ties directly into the tagline, you have something of value to say, mm. right? And we yes. help you figure out you didn't know what was in you. Yes. Right? So the things that you're already using are like pieces of a puzzle. And now we're putting the puzzle together. Because right. I think the elements that you have, those pieces are very valuable 
and you like them, they work for you, they resonate with your audience, we need to put them together to either paint a picture or sing a song. Paint a picture or sing a song. Love it. Right. And again, that is accessible. Everyone mm. understands what it means to paint a picture or sing a song. Even if they're tone deaf, they know what that means. <laughs> yeah, sing a song I probably would stick with more of. Lean have, have more heavily on that than paint a picture. Okay. Right. But you get to pick and choose. Yes. And so maybe sing a song is developing a story around that is your anchor. And then mm -hmm. you bring in these elements. You have something of value to say, humane technology, private podcasting. You bring those elements into your story. So, for example, when I tell the broken cookie effect story, I tell that in about 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. But I have so much more. So we need a lead in that catches people's attention that, so that's really what we're talking about today is what is your lead in to that initial 20 to 30 seconds. And then we need to develop a series of stories that are about client results, that are about personal experiences. And you use those in different circumstances. If you're giving a formal presentation. So I give a presentation about building value in the mind of the ideal buyer because a lot of what I'm talking about, where my stories progress, is about pricing for value. We as women undervalue ourselves and we underprice our services. Then we over-deliver on those services. So our companies are often not very profitable. So that's, the, that's what I'm solving for, is how you can generate more revenue with less stress, and I'm using the broken cookie effect as my lead in and the innovative framework that I've built that will be the centerpiece of my book is about how do you get the whole cookie? So I'm leading my audience on a journey. I have a point to make. I have something important to share. It is about raising awareness. And when I tell the broken cookie effect story and I'm doing a live virtual engagement, I see every woman there is nodding her head. Because mm. we've all experienced it. We've watched our moms eat the broken cookies. So you that's the concept that I want to get to. And today we'll only be able to work on the lead in. Right. But that's where I'm headed because that's that first piece of the puzzle so that you can then take your audience on a journey to get to your core message. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about here. My father was also a musician in his younger years. Oh, well, you left out that little detail. What type of musician? He played an upright bass okay. in a Jimmy Dorsey kind of a band. Upright bass saxophone? No, bass. Uh, oh, uh, uh, like yeah, a cello. Bass fiddle. Fiddle. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and what type of band? Uh, like Glenn Miller kind of a band. Cool. Did he do that as a hobby or was he paid to do put him, that? He put himself through school that way. Okay. Yeah. And he met my mother and uh, he was also, you know, he was also a biology um, major. 
and this is pretty common. It was during you know World War II and whatever. But he ended up um, leaving school and um, taking a job actually as a sheet metal worker and to support the family. And it's very interesting because when he retired, all his technical skill with sheet metal turned into these incredible stainless steel art forms. So there was always this creativity in him, which when I talk earlier in the story about him losing his hearing and not being heard, um, you know, there was a stifle of creativity, I think. Um, although, you know, I, I have to say I have fond memories of camping together, spending time in his dark room because he was a photographer as well. You know, so there, there's a lot of richness, but the vocal expression stopped happening. The interaction and relationship with people stopped happening. Okay. And uh, are you aware of why he lost his hearing? It probably was from uh, his work, working mm -hmm. in sheet metal. Bang, I bang, wondered. bang. Yeah, before uh, protective gear was mandated and required and all that. Okay. Okay, so it seems so what I'm thinking and what I'm sharing with you is resonating with you. Yes. Yes? Okay. I think starting with the story of your dad losing his hearing. Mm-hmm. But I think it starts with the end result. So the end result was your dad withdrew. Yes. And that hurt him and it hurt you and it hurt others in your family. Not that he intentionally did anything, but that there was a, a, an effect that to some extent was traumatizing. Mm-hmm. And that has led you on your journey, which has led you into metaphysics and many different disciplines, but most importantly, into music. Mm -hmm. And the fact that your dad was also a musician and lost his hearing. I mean, you know, we've seen major artists that are blind, and that's incredible to me that they can be such incredible auditory artists, even though they're blind. But I don't think you can do that if you lose your hearing. Right. Although I never listened to classical music until I went to Portland State University. And I had a friend of mine turn me on to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. <sighs> oh my God. Huge, huge influence on me. And, you know, I studied it and studied him so and found right. out that you know Beethoven was basically towards the end of his life actually not towards the end pretty much in the middle of his life he wrote a lot of music while being mostly deaf right and it was all up here i was just going to say and that was all in his head and he could hear the music in his head yes and then he could put it down on paper and i think that's so rare mhm mm that you know, that's why we call people like that a genius because it is so rare. So I think starting with that story uh, about your dad and having something that draws people in. So, because one of the huge challenges that we have 
as business owners and as public speakers is getting people's attention. There's mm -hmm. so much noise. So that is also why personal stories are better than business stories for that initial lead in. Because if you start telling me a, a story about one of your clients and results, I'm kind of tuning out. Yeah. Because I know what that is. It's a, it's a testimonial or it's a case study. And it's the wrong time for me to hear that. Right. But and if, it's not it's not about you. It's about them. Yes. And also, if they're telling me a business story, I'm um, I don't get to know them as a person. Yeah. Right. So I want to make that human connection first. And most people do. And even people who don't recognize that once they hear the story and they think, wow, that was cool. Right. So that's why I have a, a really specific process that I teach to my clients to help them develop their anchor, figure out what it is and develop their entree story so they can get people's attention. You can educate them once you have their attention. And you can then you have every opportunity to share your business success and talk about what's important to you. But what people care about most is about you as a person, not you as a business owner. And then once they start to recognize that you can help them, then they become very interested in not only how can you help them, but what are the guidelines that you use? Are you ethical? Are you kind? Are you thoughtful? Then, of course, all of that factors into whether or not you have a good working relationship. There's another element regarding my father's story, too, and it has to do with safety. Okay. Because when before pandemic, my studio was open, I would have often people in here, um, sometimes hosts that just wanted me to, you know, engineer the thing, which I don't do anymore, largely. Um, but there were guests on my podcast. And I learned to say three words pretty much and then shut up. I mean, which is what I teach was, which is what's your story. And as you know, once you give people the floor and they start talking and they feel safe and you're focused on them and you're not interrupting, they feel there's a sense of safety there. So I got very, I, I'm still, I mean, I got very well known in that context of holding safe space. So regarding my father, in terms of it just wasn't a safe place for him, or other people in the family as well, because of what you alluded to earlier about it being somewhat of a traumatic event. So there's a lot of people I'm sure that can identify with being stifled. Oh, absolutely. And um, any woman Mm -hmm. Any person of color, mm -hmm. any person who is considered a minority. I have a colleague who uses the term oppression and talks about that frequently. And it's interesting because I personally have never felt oppressed. I, I may have as a kid, but I didn't as an adult. 
And so when she was talking about that, it didn't resonate with me as much, but I have a lot of caring and sympathy and empathy for others that are oppressed. So again, that's a very universal concept. And to your point, people are stifled every day and it's not gender specific, right? There are, men are raised to speak up and speak out. So most of the time they're more comfortable with it, but there are plenty of times, I bet there are men who feel as though they have to stay quiet. Or they have to play the game that they really don't wanna play, but because of peer group pressure, um, they just feel like they have to as men to be man. Yes, I agree. And it's, you know, and I, I don't have to, that doesn't even have to be limited to gender at all. I see it around me a lot. People trying to be something other than themselves. Right. And the power for individuals is in them being themselves and expressing it however they decide to do so. Yes. Which is the power of using a personal story. Yeah, because it allows people in to get to know you, who you are as a human, and what your story is and how you got here. Mm -hmm. Right? We don't get here by accident. We don't get here by magic. We got here through our life experiences. And that is what is very effective to talk about. Not everybody is comfortable to do that. And it does feel vulnerable. So it's also the benefit of developing your stories. Because when you develop them and practice them, it feels less risky. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So as an example, in a panel discussion interview that we did recently, you and I with two other business owners, I told a story I've never told anyone before about my dad being verbally abusive to my mom and how I reacted to that. And I felt vulnerable and it felt risky. And I really hesitated to tell that story. But in the course of that conversation, I felt it would be valuable to share that story because that's what we were talking about, is speaking up and speaking out and why I feel so strongly about it as a woman, as a mother, as a human. So I took the risk to tell that story. And of course, it was well received and it was, you know, everyone is that in our group that was talking is so compassionate and understood where I was coming from, but it also gives them insight into who I am. Yes. No, it was incredible. I mean, at that moment, uh, it, it, it shifted and uplifted the conversation because you were vulnerable. Thank you. And so now your listeners may be curious. So you can go back to the episode of uh, stepping into your power. Yep. And listen to that conversation. It was very powerful. All of our discussions as a group have been. Yes. Well, I, I've been really just delighted. I, I look forward to them every month. You know? Me too. I mean, it's kind of, in a real sense, the highlight of my month. That's wonderful. And yeah. again, the fact that you're providing that platform for us to have those conversations and to have three women business owners who all have different perspectives, although we're very aligned in what we believe, 
-hmm. we're coming at it from different perspectives and different life experiences. Mm -hmm. So it makes such a rich conversation. And mm -hmm. it's definitely a highlight for me as well. Yeah, no, it's great. Okay, so let's wrap up with, is all of this sitting well with you to use the story about how you grew up, the situation with your dad, the effects of that, and then use a lead in and we'll need to come up with something that is catchy. So it could be, my dad was an accomplished musician who went deaf. Yep. Because that will stop people in their tracks. They'll wonder, why is John telling me this? They'll wonder, what is this leading to? Why is that important for me to know? So what we want to do is get people to pay attention and get curious. So that, those, that might not be exactly how you want to start. Yes, but, right. But no, that's pretty, like, it's pretty good. It's very good, actually. Okay. And from there, then you need to tell me, you need to answer the question, why are you telling me this? Okay. Okay. And then we can build on that, obviously not in this session, but right. we can build on that to develop a series of stories to take this listener on a journey. That's awesome. What do you think? I think that's spot on. That's what we should do. I mean, that sounds perfect. And it's, yeah, it's really surprising. The music is like taking front and center, which I absolutely love. Yes. And I started to say, one of the things that's so interesting about this exercise is that we have woven together a personal story about your dad that where music is the center point. And as you mentioned before, if you decide to use the line, we help our clients sing their story. That whole concept can be fleshed out into what that means, how you define that, because you're not literally teaching people to sing, right? And so you want to make sure people don't misunderstand that. You're not a voice coach. You're not teaching people how to sing or perform. But what you're doing is very integrated with people who understand music and that language of music and that sensibility of loving music and often being musically inclined and being creative. That I think is your audience. So we're twining, you know, we're weaving it all together so that you can take them on the journey and attract the people that you want to work with. Very nice, Patty. Thank you very much. My pleasure. I love doing this kind of work. And you can see that my method is asking very specific, very strategic questions. Yes. And then pulling on threads. So all of the threads came from you. Mm. But then I'm pulling on certain threads in order to create the tapestry. Mm. And I'm pulling based on what resonated with me. So humane technology resonated with me, it made me curious. I wanted to learn more. And everyone complains about technology. Love it or hate it. We all complain about it. Yep. So how can we create a world that isn't so painful? You have to express yourself. You have to voice your opinion. You have to be willing to make a, 
stand up, you have to demonstrate. And that doesn't mean necessarily banging a garbage can lid out on the streets. And uh, just people need to speak up, for God's sakes. The podcast I recommend people listen to is Your Undivided Attention. And Tristan Harris, I think last name, and his partners are the ones that created the social dilemma. See, you have all these pieces. Mm. Now we need to take the pieces and weave them together. Because what has my attention is the core of what you're doing, right? Yeah. And you're doing it because your clients have something of value to say. Yes. So all of these pieces can be woven together. That's awesome, Patty. Well, thank you for being here again. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. And I'd like to remind you to get in contact with Patty at theblockgroup.net. And she can be contacted on LinkedIn by searching for Patty Block, P-A-T-T-Y-B-L-O-C-K.